Okay, welcome everybody. Hello, welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Here for the month of December. Yes, Christmas is a coming. Christmas is coming. We're all good right now. No one's in quarantine at the moment. At the moment. <laughs> that could change tomorrow. <laughs> very true. Very true. So do you do you kind of feel like I kind of feel like um Oh, that story from the Old Testament, you know, where the angel of death is going to pass them over. <laughs> this is how I feel with COVID. I feel like I've met the angel has passed me over, Oh, but my time is coming. A hundred percent. I have been like so many degrees close to this. Yes. Through like people that I barely missed by like a day or two that yes. then had it. Yes. That... Uh, yeah, I feel like it's knocking at my door. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> For sure. What can I do to keep it away? <laughs> so, and here's the other weird thing about December. I mean, we've recorded in December. Usually yes. when we record in December, we're losing our ever-loving minds. Yes, that is very true. And we're complaining about being a mom in the month of December. Uh, that is very true. The recitals and concerts and things. It's really quiet this year. I know. Which we knew it would be like yes. this. But now that it's it's here. It's really different. And I'm, you know, it's kind of nice in a way. It is. There are things about it that are not like there are things I'm missing, yeah. but in a way it's like, like this is a very rare opportunity in the month of December to have this much quiet. I know. It's kind of like COVID let the air out of everybody's tires. <laughs> now we're all running on flats. <laughs> so we're not moving as fast. So it's very interesting. Um, and you know what? It's, Obviously, it's great to have all this quiet downtime yes. with my family, but also it's such a roller coaster because one moment I'm like, this is really nice to have this quiet yes. December together. And the next moment I'm like, I've been with these people since March. <laughs> I'm tired of them. Make them go away. I don't need a quiet December with them. <laughs> so I don't know. I had a quiet April, May, <laughs> June. Do we even discuss the summer months with my people? I know. I'm kind of all over the place with my moods with this, but I'm sure everybody is. So anyway, but I have to tell you, well, and everyone about what our ward is doing for ministering. Okay. Because in the midst of all of this COVID, yes. and I can't remember if we've discussed this, you got a new calling. Yes. They put you in the Relief Society presidency, as I like to say, the token young mom with kids. Yeah. <laughs> Every Relief Society presidency has to have one, a token young mom with kids. That's right. I don't know if I'm a young mom anymore, but my kids are young, so it counts. There you go. <laughs> so I'm sorry. If you, if you have a two-year-old, you're still considered a young mom and you have a two-year-old. So yes, I got put in the Relief Society presidency in in the summer. Uh-huh. Um, so which again, I was like, oh, a calling. I have a calling now because all of our callings have been just, you know, on hold. But now I actually do have a calling that I have to do, which is unfortunate because, <laughs> well, technically I do too, because I got called as a, as a Zoom Relief Society teacher, but still that's, 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 that's a nut and burger. Um, but the interesting thing, and I've been wanting to bring it up on here because I think it's so fascinating. Um, our Relief Society president, newly called, just had this vision for ministering that I think is really cool. And so okay. right when she got in, this was kind of her vision and she wanted to do it. So her vision for ministering was to make the relationship reciprocal. Okay. Yes, I, I explain how this works. I know. You, you have intrigued me. This thought had never occurred to me, but her intention was... What if you take a companionship? Okay. You pair them with another companionship. So you've got a you've got a quartet now. Yes. This companionship visits this companionship. That companionship visits them back. Okay. Um the thought being So you've got a two on two. Yes. So you've got a group of four and basically it's two companions and companions in a reciprocal relationship. Okay. But it also is just a group of four and you all watch out for each other. It's yes. like a little cluster. Now this makes a lot of sense to yes. me. Yes. So there were several This actually makes a whole I lot know. of sense to me. I was like this is kind of like a duh. I know. It was actually really mind blowing her logic okay. on this. I was not how come nobody's ever thought of this before? So part of the logic is Well and maybe because in the past we were very correlated with visiting teaching right. and you had to have districts and routes and you know, ministering that kind of all went out the door and they right. said, you know, do do what you want. Do what you want. And she did, I mean, obviously before we even implemented this, she took it up to the stake people and said, yes. can I do this? And you know what they said? 
They said, sure you can. They said, we actually have another ward in the state that's kind of doing something similar. Get out of town. They, only they don't have partnerships. They just have like little groups of like they six. They have clusters. They have clusters of six or eight sisters. Oh, so I like this. One of the benefits is the relationship is reciprocal. Yes. So you don't always feel like it's one one person giving, giving, giving. Exactly. And um, which, you know, in a true ministering relationship, honestly, I do feel like I've had ministers before oh, yes. where we ended up just being great friends and it was it became you know, reciprocal. Yes. It became, oh, you're such a good friend. Of course I would drop anything and do anything yes. for you. That kind of thing. But this makes it reciprocal. It takes out a layer of guilt, right? Because oh. if companionship A connects with companionship B and companionship B hadn't gotten a chance to connect with companionship A yet, it doesn't matter because you did it. It all counts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they visited you, but in turn, you visited them or checked in on them. So oh, I like this. It's like a reciprocal thing. And then her other thought behind this was when there's an emergency in the ward, this was kind of sparked. This okay. idea was flowing in her head when we had that earthquake last spring. Oh, yes. When we topped Utah. <laughs> to, hate to remind y'all in Utah of that, but we saw your five-point earthquake and we had ourselves a six. <laughs> so her thought was... If there's an emergency like that, instead of, you know, I call the people I minister to, they call the various people they minister to, and it's this whole web of calls. She's like, what if you had these clusters and y'all checked in on each other and your group's good, and then you phone into the release society or whoever and say, we're all good here. It's so much more efficient, right? It's extremely more efficient. <laughs> extremely. So that was her other thought on this. So how do you work this with people? I mean, inevitably you have some sisters who are like, either A, they don't want to be ministered to, or they're like, I do not want to be a ministering sister. Right. So that was a tricky thing when we set, when we put these groups together. We, so we put the groups together around October. Was okay. By the time we got this all sorted out and said, okay, we're going to do this. It was like putting a puzzle together, which it always is, even without well, yeah. groups. But yeah, with the sisters, um, you know, there are some sisters that are do not contact, um, but we'll put them, you know, if there's one connection that they okay. know someone in the group, we'll kind of put them in that group, but we'll tell that person, this is your person. Got it. Keep an eye out for them. There yeah. are other sisters that are totally willing to have ministers, but don't want to be a minister. Okay. Same thing. We plopped them in the group as like a fifth or a sixth person okay. or whatever. And we said, hey, the sister's in your group. She's not in a place where she can minister right now. You all need to watch out for her. Oh. Take care of her. And you know what? And so, I like that where you say, watch out for her and take care of her. Uh -huh. Because that is truly what ministering is supposed to be. And I, and I like the idea of, you know, it, it, not feeling the obligation to give a lesson or do whatever, right. but just say, you know, just watch out for this person because that can encompass a whole variety of things that can encompass when you see them working in their front yard, just stopping and waving and saying, you know, Hey, your flowers are looking really good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really interesting. It's been on my mind because uh -huh. we just did check-ins last week. Okay. Because yes, you have the, you now have oh. the responsibility of quarterly ministering interviews. Yes. I am so not jealous. Okay. And I don't know about your ward, but in our ward, the Release Society always does them quarterly, every quarter, every year. Yes. Elders Quorum does them like once a year. <laughs> I'm like, of why course. do we always have to be overachievers? <laughs> I'm pretty sure in my ward, I don't think the elders quorum even knows what a PPI is. I think they're like, PP what? So yeah, the ministering but, interviews, I've already been through two rounds. I've had this calling since It's for August. six months and you've been two rounds. Oh gosh. But we just did check-ins with the groups this past weekend. This was the first check-in because they've only had these groups for a month. We were like, oh. Okay, so how did you do your check-ins in the feel? time of COVID? Uh, Zoom. 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 Interesting. So we got each little group on Zoom together and just okay. checked in and said, how's it going? Are you liking this new system? What do you think? And everybody's been so great about just being positive and saying, yeah, we'll give it a try. And, uh, you know, some, yeah. some people are thrilled. Some people are like, well, this is different, but we'll try. Okay, <laughs> so, fair enough. But You're never going to please your whole crowd. <laughs> yes. And also, ministering in COVID is different. Yeah. It looks different. But the more I think about it, it's I think it's kind of good for us. Okay. Because I really think 
it's making us think outside of the box oh, as far yeah. as what ministering really looks like. Yeah. And I did notice that, you know, with the groups, a lot of them, you know, it's hard to figure out what to do. So people are yeah. getting creative. You know, there's a lot of porch drop-offs yeah. and things. There's lots of, you know, text threads. Yes. You know, some groups were talking about how they're going to get a Marco Polo chain yeah. going. Some groups are going to try to FaceTime once in a while. Um, so there were some clever... You know, I love it. Workarounds, but I was super impressed. And you know what? Here's the success story. Okay. And this just made me feel so good when I heard this story. Okay. One of our groups, one gal was down with COVID, or she thinks it was COVID. Another gal, and it was a group of four. Another gal was in quarantine. Okay. For coming in contact with someone okay. in COVID. Third gal was having some family issues of her own okay. to deal with. There was one lone, healthy, standing gal in this group, and she took meal to the COVID girl, checked in on her, and, like, really took uh -huh. care of her. And I thought, you know what? That's how it's supposed to work. Exactly. Like, three are down, but one's good, so she's going to step in. Exactly. Well, next time, she might be the one down. Exactly. And the others can step in and help. Yeah. So, I mean, it well, was really fun to see just how people are taking care of each other. And then you remember that. So, if you're uh -huh. on the receiving end of that service, I mean, you always remember when you're on the receiving end of that service. But for me, if I were on the receiving end of that service for someone that, you know, ministers to me that I'm also uh -huh. supposed to minister... I mean, as awful as this sounds, but I'd be like, you know, next time she, you know, has an issue, I'd be like, oh, I want to repay that favor. Right. You know, I want to give back to her and, and just the reciprocity of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. I do think that's important because we have this, I do think in our church, sometimes we just have a really hard time accepting service. Oh, we want to yeah. be the givers of the service. Not right? the receivers. And that's hard. It is hard. And but if you're in a group and you're on kind of equal ground, yes, and you're not feeling like you're always the one that they're serving, yes, you're also serving them. I think it can yeah. be like really good for the relationship. I think so. it can be too. Oh, I just I love that idea. Okay, you need to as this progresses, yes, and you do more of these ministering interviews because we know you well. <laughs> Y'all well, are on top of that. <laughs> Keep us updated so, on this yeah. because this is this is a fascinating concept that I really like. I know. I love the idea of it. So yeah. I'll keep you all posted. Um, I think it'll turn out to be a really good thing. But okay. We'll see. All right. Well, should we start some news stories since that's yes. what we're here for? Let's do. Well, we are going to start tonight with literal breaking news. Breaking news. We get so excited when we have I breaking know. news. I know. We very right. rarely get breaking news. <laughs> Every once in a while, right before we go to record, there's breaking news and we feel so special. It's it's really <laughs> true. Well, last week, Jeff got a ton of breaking news because he got the Runland stuff yes. and all of that. And I was like, darn it. We didn't get that breaking news. But we got some breaking news. So we're going to start up our, our breaking news. We are recording on the 14th of December. And for those of you who live in the United States, the 14th of December is a significant day because it is the day of the Electoral College certification. Um, as you may or may not be aware, well, this has been discussed in prior podcasts. The church had not issued a congratulatory statement to the Biden-Harris campaign. Right. Which is rare because they always do. They always do. They do it quickly. Yes. But nothing is happening quickly these days. Exactly. So. And historically, they have always done it where the winner has been evident mm -hmm. or the loser has conceded. Right. Uh, in this case, while the inner winner is likely very evident, the loser has not conceded. So ironically, today, right after the Electoral College certification, they issued a little statement. So I'm just going to read the statement that they issued, and then we're going to have a little discussion on this statement. <laughs> so... Uh, the church released the following statement. We congratulate President-elect Joe Biden on his election as President of the United States. We also congratulate Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. We invite people everywhere, whatever their political views, to join us in praying for this new administration and for the leaders of nations around the world. Praying for those in public office has been a practice of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints since its founding. The men and women who lead our nations and communities need our prayers. We thank President Donald Trump and Vice President Michael Pence for their public service and wish them and their families well in their future endeavors. We commend all of those who are engaged in the election process at a national or local level. 
Their participation in our democratic process by its nature demands much of those who offer themselves for public service. May our local, national, and world leaders be blessed with wisdom and judgment as they fulfill the great trust afforded to them by the people of the world. So that is the statement. Very politically correct. Very politically correct. Very neutral. Very neutral. And then there's the chaos that ensued after. (laughs) So the church releases this statement. They, of course, have a Facebook page. Church Newsroom, I should say, has a Facebook page. And so um, they not only released the statement to the press, but of course, they posted on their Facebook page the statement. And you dive down that hole because you are a sucker for punishment. Oh, nothing short of bedlam (laughs) broke out on the Facebook page. It was hilarious. Like, I just wanted to prop my feet up and have a big old bag of popcorn (laughs) as I just scrolled through the comments because I'm like, well, this is about the most entertaining thing I've seen in a while. So, um, you know, this is, this is not a new type of statement for the church. This is not a, I would not classify this as a political statement, but oh boy, was it unleashed. Before I read some of the precious and choice comments, I just want to talk about some of the statistics here. Okay. Within one hour after this was posted on the church's Facebook page, Mm -hmm. they had nearly 2,000 comments. Wow. Now, to give you a little perspective on that, they they probably have, I don't know, 150,000 followers on their Facebook page, mm-hmm. but nothing has even come close to the number of comments. I went back on the Facebook page to look and see what other things had high comments, because mm-hmm. most comments are somewhere in the 20 to 50 comment range. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, Elder Renland, have Renland having COVID, got 493 comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other one I saw within the last, you know, six to eight months that had high comments was in June when Elder Bednar uh, had a discussion on religious freedom oh, and right. COVID. That got 454 comments. Wow. So this like just blew those. Blew it out of the water. I even went onto the Deseret News' Facebook page to see what kind of comments on the Deseret News' Facebook uh, page. They had a paltry 960 comments. Oh. So um, members of the church and, and the vast majority of comments on the church's Facebook page are, how dare you? They're how angry. They're angry. Yeah. How dare you congratulate Biden and Harris? Now, I'm going to presume that the majority of the people, we could have classified this in our, in our Mormons behaving badly section. <laughs> I am going to assume that the majority of the people who are making these comments are members of the church. And because I want to save you the pain of reading the 2.3 comments that as of this 2.2.2, excuse me, 2,300 comments that are on there right now. I'm going to save you the pain of reading those. I've pulled out some of the choice uh, ones for yes, you. please do. I can't go to that dark place. <laughs> anyway, so let's just read some of the choice comments, and then we can have some color commentary on some okay. of the choice comments. Now, not only did I pull... Did I pull anti-comments? I did pull some pro-comments. Okay. There were some very well-thought-out pro-comments as well. But let's face it, the interesting ones are the ones who are mad at the church for congratulating (laughs) Biden and Harris. So... Sorry, but there is no way I will congratulate Sleepy Joe ever. This announcement is technically asking to be okay with massive fraud. Uh-oh. Okay. The church is offering congratulations to a Gadiatin robber and a communist. This <gasps> is not the same church I joined when Ezra Taft Benson was the prophet. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably not. <laughs> well... You know, and, uh, and thank goodness that with time we've evolved. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the statement when you know better, you do better. And certainly there was a time and a place for the, uh, as I like to call him, the ETB. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably ETB's time and place is not right now in our current climate. Anyway, um, here's another comment. Nope, nope, nope. Biden Harris are radical pro choice abortionists. I am praying the fraud will be exposed and America will be remain free and not sold out to the communist Chinese. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. 
So let's do a couple of pro ones just, you know, to show that there is some sanity out there in the world. So many Americans choose party over country, and now some of y'all are choosing party over religion. Your choice. But I promise you that Trump isn't Jesus or Moses, and Biden isn't Satan. <laughs> now, that is no truer comment has been said. <laughs> because I definitely agree, Trump is not Jesus or Moses, and Biden isn't Satan. <laughs> We're probably somewhere in the middle. Wow. Um Oh, here's a funny one. On the bright side, reading all these crazy comments on this post have affirmed the principle of the church is for everyone, no matter how many, how Looney Tunes you are. So that's comforting, <laughs> I guess. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so are people getting in fights in these comments? Oh, yes, they're totally getting in fights in these oh. comments. There are so many comments about Gadiat and robbers and Satan and... Communism? Communism <laughs> and the Book of Mormon analogy. Now, here's one that I just want to go, um, where have you been? She says, uh, this is so, this is wrong in so many ways for the church to do. I've never seen them put out a statement like this. What a slap in the face to the members of the church who feel Biden stole the election. The church needs to not comment about politics. They never come out about politics. Why now? Has an extreme, has an extreme liberal at headquarters infiltrated it? I think so. This is just plain wrong. I, Dust my feet on this announcement and whoever did it from church headquarters. Disgusting. Oh, dear. Well, did someone hop on the comments and tell her this happens every four years? Yes. <laughs> and let me tell you what her reply did, to that did was. Did she believe them? <laughs> no, she said She said we, we took her original comment out of context. Let me tell you how she tells us we took this out of context, which I'm like, no, I don't think we did. I think you just were like, ooh, I got caught with my pants down because they have done it before. Mm -hmm. Because people hopped on and said to her, no, 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 you're wrong, mm -hmm. and shared links where, you know, they had um, congratulated other uh, winners of elections, mm -hmm. specifically Trump four years ago. So this was her response. For those laughing at the comment of mine, you're obviously uneducated and ignorant, or probably not from the USA. If the church is supposed to uh, be a works a worldwide church, why don't they comment about other countries' political uh, elections? This does not pass the smell test. And I'm like, you weren't talking about them commenting mm. about <laughs> politics and other countries. You were specifically saying, how dare you congratulate Joe Biden? Oh, my. Okay, this is another goodie, too. Wow, it's going to be so embarrassing when the church has to retract this and acknowledge the true winners on January 20th. Don't our leaders know anything about the Constitution? Whoa. <laughs> Don't you know that Dallin A. Jokes is a constitutional scholar? I'm kind of guessing if there's anybody who knows about the Constitution, <laughs> it's probably Dallin H. Oaks. <laughs> Wow. I wonder if the church will turn off its comment section. You know, over this. I, I, I mean, has there ever been this? In fact, I'm surprised they don't have it turned off already. Well, maybe they do because it has been stuck at the 2.3 uh, K comments for quite some time now. So perhaps they did turn it off because it was getting a little out of hand. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. But I have to share with you out of all of the comments, this is my top. Okay. This is my very top cream of the crop comment. Okay. Okay. Are we sure the church actually put this out? There are liberals in the church that hate President Trump, and more than likely, they work in the newsroom. It doesn't say it's from the prophet. Oh. oh. <laughs> Folks, we've had a coup in the church newsroom. It has been taken over by the liberals. The poor first presidency and members of the Quorum of the Twelve cannot let everybody know that uh, this is not their statement because they have to garner their militia to go... <laughs> To go take care of the coup by the liberals that has happened in their newsroom. Uh-oh. That is, seriously, it is the most ridiculous thing. Who in the world would ever even begin to believe the liberals have infiltrated the church newsroom? Because it has the word news in the title, of course. <laughs> So, yes, for all of you wanting to know, the church newsroom is being controlled by liberals, and the First Presidency is trying to figure out what to do about it. Okay, that was sarcastic. 
<laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, I just um, I, I I'm I'm left a little bit dumbfounded and speechless. But uh, well, my friend, this is why you do not go into the comment section of Facebook. <laughs> it's very true. I ask for my own punishment. <laughs> Admittedly, you should know better by now. I should know better by now, but I still can't get over the fact that the the liberal liberal leftist media has infiltrated the church newsroom. <laughs> okay, speaking of that, did you want to hit on the Jennerese? Oh, yes. Speaking of the liberal leftist, speaking media. of the liberal leftist media, thank you for reminding me. So, because this ties into this article very well. So, um, Jenna Reese, uh, we've talked about her. Well, we haven't talked about her that much. Jeff seems to reference her a lot mm-hmm. in his podcast. And she has, I believe it's a blog called Flunking Sainthood. And, and she puts out all sorts of interesting material. I, I have to say the majority of which I, well, some of which I go, okay. And other which I go, eh, nah, I, I'm not going there. Mm-hmm. So last week after, um, Elder Renland did his little video saying, I am not asking you as a doctor. I'm asking you as an apostle to right. wear a mask. She, and of course there was backlash over that. Um, she talks about uh, the cognitive dissonance that happens when your political beliefs and what your religious leaders are telling you do not align. And for a very long time, that cognitive dissonance has existed mostly in progressive Mormons as they've mm-hmm. struggled with LGBTQ issues. But now we have some uber conservative Mormons that are experiencing that uncomfortableness known as cognitive dissonance. And I thought it was I rather... Know. A funny, to say the least. <laughs> it was a really good article. It was just super interesting that she pointed that out because I wouldn't have made that connection on my own. Yes. And then when she pointed out, I was like, oh, yeah. It's yes. Very, very similar. Yes. And and <laughs> so. she is talking about how the conservative Mormons are mm. approaching Elder Runlin's mask debate, which is the science is bunk approach. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, the Machiavellian approach, which is, well, they're going to die off anyway, so what's the big deal? And the, um, oh, he's only talking about wearing masks in temples. Mm -hmm. This doesn't apply beyond that. And how they have taken and twisted what Elder Runland has said to, um, conform with, uh, with, with, with their anti-mask beliefs Mm -hmm. or similar types of stances. So. Well, now she's going to have to write a whole other one about the statement this week <laughs> yeah she is <laughs> so okay all right what in is other next? news we will move on from politics <laughs> to primary so, to primary oh, on, a, on a happier this is, note this is this will this will bring my blood pressure down yes, you, because right now my blood pressure is a little high you gotta calm down you're gotta, not gonna be able to sleep tonight i i'm i'm not <laughs> i never should have gone down the rabbit hole <laughs> i know so on to happier things primary um the this was an article from the Church News, I think, or Deseret. But um, they I said, believe it was Church News. They sent an email, actually, within this last week to... You said you didn't get it. I didn't get it, but I don't have primary But I children. got it. It was an actual official church email that they sent um, maybe on Sunday or Saturday. It was sometime over the weekend, basically just like encouraging primary at home and like kind of a buoy you up kind of a thing. Like it doesn't have to be hard. And so a lot of that is quoted in this article. Um, They were just talking about what's happening with primary during these COVID times. Obviously it's been pretty much suspended since March. Um, And the primary presidency is quoted as um, just saying, you know, Families can do a simple primary at home experience. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be singing the primary songs and bearing your testimony, singing a primary song, hitting really quick on come follow me. I think they were trying to, trying to let us know it doesn't have to be complicated because I think do something and don't feel guilty. (laughs) I think many a parent is at a point of burnout right now. Yes. So burnout and guilt. Yes. I, I can't it's a do deadly anything. combination. It's like a cycle. And I'm guilty because I'm not teaching yes. my children and I'm going to be eternally damned. Yes. Do you see me raising my hand over here? <laughs> yes, I do. This is me. This is me right now. So. so anyway, it was a good reminder. And I did appreciate getting that email. It was a good reminder. Like, hey, it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be an hour long primary lesson. You can sing a primary song. You can bear your testimony. That's good. But then also in this article, it was interesting. They talked about what different wards around um, 
the world are doing to adapt primary, you know, and it's different yes. everywhere. Some wards have been doing it virtually this whole time. Uh-huh. Uh, some are just starting ours. We've had one, we just started. We had one okay. virtual primary in November, and I think they're going to put one on the schedule once a month from yeah, here on our, out. Our so. ward did a virtual in November first one and yeah they're gonna yeah. be they're in the rotation now yes. is what we're being told so they talked about how you know some families are doing primary online as a family with their cousins that maybe live far away i thought that was a cute I idea that's a cute idea too um they talked about a ward in the philippines that came up with an incentive plan for the primary kids to memorize the 13 articles of faith and have their parents record a video and send it to okay. the primary presidency um they talked about you know different Ways people have gotten creative using social media. One ward has used Instagram to post videos and the kids can take a video doing a talk and they'll post it on Instagram. One ward had like a drive-in primary program where all the families like listened to it from their cars in the parking lot of the church. I I thought that was really cute. (laughs) So, Okay. Well, speaking of the primary program, this last Sunday for our virtual sacrament Uh meeting, we had the primary program. See, ours got canceled, which was a bummer, but they did have some of the kids do musical numbers. Let me tell you what they did. It was, it was, it was very, well, Mm -hmm. I mean, ingenious. You know, they were thinking outside the box and it took somebody a lot of time, you know, so kudos to whoever the techie person in my ward is that put this together. So they rounded up or rather, you know, determined who all their primary children were. Uh And I presume contacted all of their parents and said, hey, we would like them to read this scripture or Mm -hmm. we'd like them to give a talk or some of them sang. If there were siblings, they each had some sort of an assignment. Mm -hmm. And then presumably the parents were responsible for recording this assignment. Okay, And then they turned that recording into whomever was collecting the recordings. I don't know who that was. I wasn't on the technical end of this. And they put it together in one format. So when it was time for the speakers at our virtual sacrament meeting, they just pressed play. And we saw all the kids and they identified on on each video. They Uh had typed in the name of the kids. So you know, knew who the kids were. And it was beyond cute. Oh, that's so cute. And I have to tell you, you know, one of the best parts Mm -hmm. of the primary program is the kids are up there and they are unfiltered and they do all Uh sorts of hilarious stuff. Right. So you would think with the video production that you wouldn't, you know, Uh it would, you'd miss that. You'd miss that because you could start and stop the video a million times until your kids were behaving. Oh no. Oh good. There were these two boys. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I got to tell you what these two boys were doing. I was rolling on the floor laughing. Uh They are probably, I would guess maybe four and six. Okay. You know, very, very young. Or five and three, somewhere in that age range. You could tell they were, so they were singing a song and you could tell they were like, yeah, we're not singing this unless our stuffed animals are there with us. So one of them had this really big tiger stuffed animal Uh next to him. The other had this dinosaur. So of course, what they're singing, they're playing with the tiger and the Uh dinosaur. The little, the youngest one had the dinosaur. He's taking the dinosaur and he's whipping it around (laughs) on his tail. It was so hilarious. It was so cute. And then in other families, Uh you'd have kids making faces. Oh, how fun. It was my hats off to our primary presidency for putting this together because it was thoroughly enjoyable. A great way to get the primary kids involved yeah. and have them doing oh, something. Oh, they probably love seeing themselves up there. Oh, I'm sure they love seeing themselves on the Zoom. They don't usually get to watch it. No. <laughs> so that's so, really cool. Anyway, so yes, that's what we did this last Sunday. Virtual primary program. I love it. Yeah, our ward canceled it this year, but they had some of the kids who were doing musical number who because they were going to do it virtual. Uh-huh. That some of the kids that signed up to do musical numbers um, do them actually at the church in our tiny, brief, mm-hmm. shortened sacrament meeting, which is still happening in person. Yours have all moved online. But I'm virtual. Ours is all right. Currently going. All right. What's Let's next? Let's move on <clears throat> to the next story. So, I don't know if you are aware of this. That liberal bastion of church media, known as the Church News, mm-hmm. has a podcast. <gasps> 
I so did not know this. They just started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Their first one that aired was October 20th. So we're not even 60 days into this oh, thing. Oh, it's brand new. Brand new. So one of the people that they interviewed in this one was released, I believe, December 2nd or 3rd. Uh, they interviewed Elder Holland. And this was a fascinating interview with Elder Holland. First of all, you get him 30 minutes, essentially, you know, off the cuff, the mm-hmm. the podcast host is asking him questions. He's very, um, you know, sometimes in general conference, they're very formal, right? He's very informal. So one of the things that the podcast host asked him about was, do you recall earlier this year when Elder Holland was hospitalized? Yes. And we collectively as we a church- We were all freaking out. We freaked the freak out. <laughs> yes. I don't know about you. Like my husband and I were wailing. We're like, no, he can't go don't anywhere. Don't take him 2020. <laughs> Yes, don't take Holland. Anyway, so the reporter asks him about these medical issues because Uh we really- They never told us what it was. They never told us what it was. All they said was it was non-COVID related, Mm -hmm. but they never provided any details. And so the reporter asks him about this, and this is what he says. He says, I did have and continue to address a couple of health issues. I've had excellent health all my life. I've been involved in sports and athletics all my life. But in the shadow of my 80th year, all at once, I had a number of health issues, but I'm doing fine. And for some of these, the recovery has been miraculous. And I don't use that word lightly. But that's the only word I could use for the recovery I've had from some of these issues. And then he goes on mm-hmm. and he says um, that his doctors came to him this with this report of, for an issue that was not supposed to be remedied, uh, remedied, but the tissues and organs that weren't supposed to work all of a sudden were working. Wow. And so Elder Holland says, to paraphrase what he said, and he's referring to his physician, mm-hmm. medically and scientifically, there was no explanation for the rather dramatic results that he was reporting to me. But he said, on the other hand, I am a high priest, I am a bishop, and I am a returned missionary. So I have other answers other than my medical training. And then the doctor went on to say, and it doesn't hurt to have several million people praying for you. Wow. <laughs> and Elder Holland talks about how tender that was. In fact, mm-hmm. he's also, he's almost on the verge of tears in this podcast when he talks about how he felt the mm-hmm. prayers of the saints. And he said, you know, those prayers that you pray for the brethren are very real. And he said, likewise, in return, we pray mm-hmm. for all of you. Oh, it's so cool. So, I want to go listen to that. It's about 30 minutes. It's a great... Uh-huh podcast. I really liked it. Okay. That's good. Okay. Next article again from church news. They have released a series of articles, just kind of giving some more information on what the updated new and improved church magazines will look like in 2020. Um, nothing like crazy, just basically they're, they're going to be shorter, both the Liahona and the new youth magazine for the strength of youth that replaces the new era. Oh, are you struggling That's, with this I'm name? struggling. I'm <laughs> struggling. It's hard to have a new name for the new era. <laughs> I, you know, I don't have a problem with Liahona. You know, probably because that's what they called it outside of the United right. States. Right. That's not a new name. But, you know, I... For the, for the strength of youth, I like to keep that in a pamphlet. Right. <laughs> I, I like it in that little box over there. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it as a magazine. So... Anyway, so they're both going to be condensed, it sounds like. Yes. A little bit shorter so that they can translate them easier into other languages. And it pointed out um, with both of these that this will be the first time that many youth and adults outside of English-speaking countries will be able to subscribe to a magazine yeah. just for them, which I hadn't really thought of. I, I just assumed the Liahona got to everyone, yeah. <laughs> everyone outside the U.S., but it makes sense. No, it probably did yeah. not. It probably went where? South America? Yeah, like, probably. It wasn't translated no. into multiple languages. Exactly. So this is really probably very exciting for saints outside of the U.S. Well, and I don't believe both the New Era and the Friend have mm-hmm. never been available in anything yeah. other than English. So yeah. if you weren't an English-speaking country, you didn't have access to those magazines. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, every we are a worldwide church, and 
everybody needs to be able to have mm-hmm. access to those magazines. And they also talked about how the real focus is going to be on the digital format. Right. And that you can get on your app. I mean, they will be available, obviously, in print. Right. But they'll make also a and lot more content available digitally. There's extra content that's going to be available digitally. Yeah. Yep. And then, of course, also The Friend, which will still be called The Friend. Oh, good. <laughs> Don't worry. Not everything has changed in 2020. It'll have like some new sections. I can breathe a sigh of relief. I know. Some new sections in there and uh, fun things for the kids. So that'll be just kind of fun to see in the new year what changes. So, All right. What's next? I'm going to go back to that liberal rag known as the church newsroom. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about another podcast that they had, another interview that they did on their podcast. So this is their most recent one, and it is with Mac Wilberg, who is the director of the Tabcats, and Ron Jarrett, who is the president of the choir. And so they interviewed both of them, and one of the things that they had them talk about was some of their favorite past Christmas episodes, because obviously the choir is not Mm -hmm. doing Christmas, uh, a new Christmas episode this year. But one of the burning questions that I have had during COVID was answered in this podcast. Okay. What is Mac Wilberg doing when he has no choir to direct? Oh, yeah. Is he like semi-retired now? No. (laughs) What's he doing? Here is what Mac Wilberg is doing with his downtime. Okay. You know, because the choir people, they're all volunteers and they have jobs and lives and whatnot. This is his full-time gig. This is his full-time gig along with Ryan Murphy. Mm -hmm. So he mentions he has been doing a lot of composing during the pandemic. Oh, this is good. I know. So I listened to this podcast and Mm -hmm. here's what he said. He said, I have had a number of things that needed composing that Uh needed to be done, but I had no time. I had a number of things I wanted to compose, but I had no time. Oh, this is so exciting. He said, I have been busy using my time judiciously when I'm not having to direct choirs and put together concerts and weekly performances to compose. Now, you know how I feel about a Mac Wilberg composition. Yes, me too. They're the best. And Ryan Murphy's, Brian, Brian's getting there. He's good too. He's, mm-hmm. he's not quite the Mac, but he's getting there. Mm-hmm. And Mac Wilberg said, I am very anxious for, for COVID to be over with and for the choir to return because he's got all these <gasps> new pieces. He is just itching. Oh, this is just exciting. Itching. So the choir's going to have a great comeback with the all kinds of new material. It's going to have a great comeback with all kinds of new material. Well, that is something to look forward so, to. Something to look forward to. I do look forward to that. I miss, you know, we always turn on music in the spoken yes. word on Sunday. And there's just, I mean, it's still great. It's beautiful. It's pre-recorded, but there's just something about knowing that it's not actually happening live. I know. It's like, huh. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> so, anyways. Okay. Next is a story about some entrepreneurial students from Coastal Carolina University, which if you're a BYU fan, you know that BYU football played Coastal Carolina, uh, December 5th, I believe. Yeah, and it was a last-minute addition. It was a rush, rush to get the team and their equipment cross-country to Coastal. So they made the decision on Wednesday, I believe, to go play this team. It did not go well. Spoiler alert, if you you haven't heard. It did not end well. It was a very rough game. We watched it at our house, and it was not great. Okay. Uh, But these two students at CCU uh, got an idea, sparked. Game is announced Wednesday. Thursday, they have this idea to make these shirts. The shirts are going to have the saying on it, Mormons versus mullets. So they hum on this for a day or so, and then they think we got to do this. So they start calling around to see if they can get them printed. They, now, these are not BYU students. No, these, these are, are Coastal are, Carolina these students. These are CCU students. Okay. They know that we're coming, so they make these Mormons versus mullet shirts. They call around. They get, I don't know, I think 50 of them printed yes. off. They sell out like in 12 hours. And yes. when the game airs on ESPN, you know, the, the, the stadium is not completely full, but there is a healthy student section. Yes. Actually, it was fairly full compared to some of the other s- games we've seen okay. this season. And these Mormon versus mullet shirts are all over the stadium. And we're like, huh, what's that? That's clever. And I can't figure out where the mullet and the article See, that's did what not. I was 
wondering too is where the mullet come the from? article did not explain the mullet but we did observe many a mullet on their football team oh. so we were like is this a thing like do their football i, I do you have to have a mullet to be on their football team i figured the <laughs> mullet thing must have been an inside joke that i was not understanding i think so they but didn't... it sounds like maybe it's an inside joke because their football players all wear all have mullets there were several football players oh. with mullets so that's what we're thinking it came from but they gave uh the espn reporter had called these kids i don't know how he heard about their t-shirts and he said save me a shirt um i'm gonna wear it and he wore it and he pointed out like the student yeah. in the crowd you could see the guy that yeah. created the shirts and the, the espn guy told the story this guy made these shirts and blah 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 anyway then of course cc won they beat yes. byu wildly it was a sad loss <laughs> um anyway and so then that worked in his favor because then he was able to sell more of the shirts. Anyway, to date, as of like December 7th, he'd made like $4,500 off these yeah. shirts. He sold like a thousand shirts. I know. <laughs> so well, anyway, good for him and his entrepreneurial spirit. Good for him. He did not properly put the name of the church on the shirts. That's very true. But it really wouldn't have worked if he did. No. <laughs> so. It just the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints versus the mullets. It just doesn't have the same ring. No, not quite. So, All right. Our next story is a food-related story about the walking taco. Have you ever heard of the walking taco? Or better yet, have you ever had a walking taco? I have had a walking taco one time. Okay. Maybe to a girl's camp. Okay. It's a girl's camp food. That's the only reason I know what it is. Okay. Well, see, you associate it with a girl's camp food. I can't say that I've ever had a walking taco. I've been aware of what it is, mm -hmm. but I do it in a, in a, in a slightly different format. So for those of you who are unaware of what a walking taco is, you take a bag of Fritos, not a, not a big bag like of a Fritos, mini bag. like a mini bag, like the lunch size bag. You open up the bag. You throw in either your chili, your beans, your hamburger mixture, and then you top it with cheese and whatever other toppings you want, and you eat it out of the bag. The bag essentially becomes the bowl for you, hence the walking taco. Yes. So this is a story about kind of the origins of the walking taco and whether or not some of those origins of the walking taco have a Mormon-related connection. So... Um, there are, of course, those in the food industry snobs who would think that the walking taco is something that is just beyond the most awful of American foods, you know, represents everything that is bad with American food. Anyway, so, um, there, it, it's also apparently known as the Frito pie. And so, um, there's lots of stories in this article about, you know, whether it is the mother of the creator of the Frito company that did, that did this or some lady in New Mexico who did this. But, um, they also had sold them at the World's Fair in Knoxville. But where the Mormon connection comes in, is in, um, let's see, where is it here? There was a Grand Rapids, Michigan Festival of the Arts in 1994. Okay. Okay. And they are discussing their lineup of foods, and it had several new entries, including potato pancakes, caramel apple chips, popcorn, potatoes with cheese sauce, chicken pika, something called a walking taco, and Syrian meat pie. That's how it was built, something called a walking taco. So the walking taco apparently was a booth that was run by several members of the church mm -hmm. and they sold out of their walking tacos before the festival was even over with. And apparently they returned every year with their walking, with their walking tacos. And so then the question became, did the Mormon missionaries bring this walking taco back idea from Texas or New Mexico to the upper Midwest and then rebrand it? Could somebody please investigate so that? So it was not called the walkie taco until we got our hands on it? Apparently it was not called the walking taco Before until we that, got our hands. Before that it was hands. a Frito pie and it was made in a dish. It was a, Well, it was a Frito pie that was made in a dish. Um, except that the lady in, the lady in, um, 
in new in Santa Fe, New Mexico named Teresa Hernandez, who claims this uh, idea says that she sold taco adjacent food at the walk up counter for, I believe the five and dime Woolworths five and dime general store. Mm -hmm. And she would slice open a bag, add chili, cheese, onions. I don't know per se if she called it the walking taco. She seemed to refer to it as the Frito pie. And she claims she is the inventor (laughs) of the Frito pie. So I believe the walking taco concept came from the members of the church. Interesting. I thought it was very interesting. And now it is a staple of girls camp and cub scout camp that no longer exists. (laughs) Well, you know, I have to tell you my story with the walking taco. So... In our house growing up, our mom would make it, and we just called it taco salad. And she made a meat mixture, and it was served over Fritos. Is any of this sounding yeah, familiar to you? Yeah, I remember the meat over the Fritos. Okay, so I loved it. It was one this of my, my favorites. Early love of Fritos. Yes, <laughs> it is probably the only thing our mother made that I replicate mm-hmm. now, aside from like gingerbread cookies. That's just a commentary on our mother's cooking. Anyway, (laughs) in my house, though, these days, we call it a fire taco salad. And the reason we call it a fire taco salad, this is how myths and legends are born. I was making it one Friday night when we lived in Provo. And we lived up on the bench in Provo. Mm -hmm. And there were many houses that were, you know, higher up on the mountain than us. Somebody lit a firework off caught the mountain on fire. We sat on our back patio as we ate our taco salad, watching the mountain burn down and hoping that none of our neighbors were losing their houses. Hence, it forever became known as fire taco salad. I did not know that. I've had your fire taco salad before, and I assumed you called it that because it was spicy. No, no, it's very mild. It's not (laughs) spicy at all. It's named after the fire on the mountain. Oh, that's funny. See? Now you, again, have renamed the walking taco. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, hit our next story. All right, next story is from Deseret News, and it's just a quick one about David Archuleta, and it is uh, really interesting to kind of, he's reminiscing about how he got his start. Um, he did a virtual concert this last Saturday with a school called American Heritage. Yes. Which I guess is a big Utah school. It's a big, it's a like big a Utah, private school. Yeah, it's a private school. It's by the Mount Tippinogos Temple. Anyway, he did a online virtual concert on Saturday for only $5, which I wish I would have known about him. I might have tuned I know, into that. I would have watched a $5 concert. Um, but apparently it's been 10 years since he announced that he would go on a mission. And he announced that also at a concert that he did for this American yes. Heritage School 10 years ago. And he was just reminiscing in this interview about what a big deal that was for him because everybody thought it would end his career and it was just this huge, yeah. huge You'll never recover decision that he had to make. And I had forgotten what a big deal that was yeah. at the time until I read the article because I was like, of course it wouldn't end his career. And then as I read this, I remembered, yeah, I do remember that being a big deal at the yeah. time because the media was like, oh, he's going on a mission and will he ever come back? And obviously he has, and he's been very successful. Yes. And in fact, he, I did not realize this. He's living in Nashville. Yes. He considers Utah his home, but he's very happy in Nashville. I did know that we had a virtual fireside for him, for our youth. That was for several youth, uh-huh. not just like ours. I don't know if it was a regional thing or what, um, back in the spring. And it was really cool. He talked to the kids and he sang some songs. And so I watched it with my teenager and it was really cool. He's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Great, great representative. Okay. We are going to finish our news stories tonight with a story on rodeo. Okay. We have never talked about rodeo. Now we live in an area where rodeo is pretty big and there's a couple of really um, world-class rodeos that happen here in the Boise area. Um, for those of you who are in rodeo, of course, the um, National Finals Rodeo, which is essentially the World Finals Rodeo, always occurs in early December in Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, Las Vegas uninvited the World Rodeo this year because, you know, COVID. So not to be detoured, they went down to Arlington, Texas and Fort Worth, Texas, and they had themselves a little rodeo down there. Oh. Well, there is some Mormon cowboys who did really, really well in this rodeo. There is a, they are third generation. Mm -hmm. There is a family named the Wrights, and they are out of Southern Utah, the Milford area. They have a big old cattle ranch that abuts up to Zions National Park. Mm -hmm. And um, Bill and Evelyn are the patriarchs. They had 13 children in 23 years. Very devout Mormons to have 13 children in 23 years. Mm -hmm. One set of twins. 
Their oldest <laughs> son, Cody, got into rodeoing and he was very, very successful. And Cody has subsequently spawned four boys. Mm-hmm. He has spawned Rusty, Ryder, Stetson, and Sattler. Well, those are some serious rodeo names there. Well, you know, we always have had a discussion about how Utahns name their name their babies. I had to laugh when I read these names because I'm like, if this is your name, any one of these four names, your fate is going to be rodeo. You're not going to have much of a choice. Yes, and also you were born in Utah. <laughs> exactly. Well, these two of the boys, Ryder and Stetson, did very well. Uh, Ryder won the uh, gold buckle for the saddle bronc. Uh, mm-hmm. riding. Stetson, who is only 21 years old, won the all-around cowboy. Second year in a row, he won all-around cowboy. Mm. Plus, he won a gold buckle, top cowboy for bull riding. Well, so there you go. And there is also a book by John Branch, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times reporter, uh, written about this family called The Last Cowboys, a pioneer in the new pioneer's a pioneer family in the new West talks about their struggle with environmental issues and to save their land and their ranch. They have been approached for reality TV and they passed. They said, no, we don't want to be the Kardashians, but we'll let you write a book about us. Interesting. So, all right, we are running out of time. So let's, I will make Mormons behaving badly very quick. You may recall McKenna Dennison. She accused uh, Joseph Bishop, I believe is his name of uh, sexual harassment of, well, she accused him of raping her when she was in the MTC in the 80s. He denies that, does agree to some inappropriate touching. Long story short. It was not right. The whole thing was not right. The whole thing was ugly. Uh, She had a lawsuit against the church. She dismissed her lawsuit against the church. Everybody paid their own fees and walked away. So that one is done. That one is done. Hmm. Hopefully never to be resurrected again. Yes, I hope so. (laughs) All right. That leaves us to our favorite things. All right. Favorite things. Um, I'll go first. My favorite thing that I wanted to share this week is the Millennial Choir and Orchestra. Have you heard of them? Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> so I'd heard of them, but had never been to a concert before. My, I have a brother-in-law that, that doesn't. They are a faith-based choir group that was founded by two LDS people. Um, but they're non-denominational. Okay. Anybody can join the choir. It's um, just like a community faith-based okay. choir. They have they now have choirs in Southern California, Idaho, Boise area. They have a Utah choir. They have an Arizona, Phoenix uh-huh. area choir. And now they have a Texas. So that's oh. five different choirs they have. That's awesome. They're called the Millennial Choir. Um, they practice most of the year and do a couple of concerts a year. And my brother-in-law has done it for years but down in Southern California, but uh-huh. I've, I've never been to a concert. I know they, okay. they have them here and I've never been, I've heard they're amazing, but I've never been. So they put up a virtual concert on oh. Sunday because obviously COVID has nobody's re- going to concerts, wrecked all those plans. So on Sunday, they put out a virtual Christmas concert and it is called, it's on YouTube. You can go watch it if you want. It is called Bless My Homeland, an American Christmas. Oh, that sounds lovely. It was really well done. It was, I guess they recorded it last year pre-COVID. Oh. Because they were preparing to make some type of video to go along with a CD that they had recorded. Oh, okay. And so they had all this footage already. Thank oh, very goodness. Nice. Cause you will notice they are not standing six feet mm, apart. Okay. <laughs> um, but so they had this pre-recorded footage. It was just really well done, well edited, well recorded. Um, they kind of mixed in the congregations from mm-hmm. the various, they're not congregations, the, the choirs. choirs from the various cities. Like you could, the Southern California ones were by the beach and, the Texas ones were by a barn and yeah, you know, you could see where they all were and it was, it was really cool. They just mixed them in on mm. all the songs and really, really good and well done. And then of course they are seeking donations right now so that they don't go under amid COVID. Fair enough. <laughs> but free concert on YouTube. If you okay. want to look it up, it was I will. very good, beautiful Christmas music. Have to check so. it out. All right. So mine, I've been doing a little binging lately on Netflix. Ooh, did you find something good? I found two really good things that I liked. 
the first one is, um, it's a medical uh, documentary on Netflix called Lennox Hill. Oh. And it has about se- se- seven or eight episodes. Mm-hmm. And it follows these four physicians who are doctors at Lennox Hill Hospital, mm-hmm. which is in the Upper East Side of New York City. Okay. Two of the doctors are neurosurgeons, and one doctor is an OBGYN, and one doctor is an ER doctor. Oh. And um, it's just so well put together. And the humanity, well, here's what surprised me about it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes doctors, especially ones like neurosurgeons, mm-hmm. kind of can lack some personality. I mean, right. let's let's just face it. Life, mm-hmm. life sucks it out of them if medical school didn't. Yeah. <laughs> These doctors are so compassionate with their mm-hmm. patients that it just kind of, kind of restored my faith in the medical system. I really oh. liked it. It was really good. The other thing that I watched on Netflix is they have Selena, the series. Oh, I saw that, now, but I haven't you know watched me. it. I love Selena, the movie. It uh-huh. is probably in my top 10 movies. It's a good movie. It's, I can't even tell you how many times I've watched it. I love Jennifer Lopez Vintage in this movie. J-Lo. Vintage J-Lo. Vintage <laughs> j And it really was her breakout movie. And, and I'm not this huge Jennifer Lopez fan, but gosh, I really did like her in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I love that movie. I love the music in the movie. Well, now they have a... They have a season one that has nine mm-hmm. episodes. Okay. They do not make it through her story in nine episodes because they've shot season two, oh. which will finish her story. But it goes into a lot more detail about her family and her family mm-hmm. relationships and the background. And it was so good. Ooh. I highly recommend it. Oh, I want to watch both of those. Yes. I, I recommend that you do in your binging. Well, so. there you go, people. There's some, there's some good shows for your holiday entertainment should you be sick of hallmark movies by now (laughs) which oddly enough i'm not (laughs) usually at this point in time i am all right well i think that about wraps it us up wraps it up for us tonight uh twim nation thank you so much for joining us and first of all we want to wish you a very merry christmas and uh hope that the season finds you well and happy and doing the best that you can and also so if you ever, you could find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And of course, if you want to contact us, you can cont- you can uh, email at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. And uh, theoretically, Jeff will respond to you if you have any questions mm-hmm. or concerns. And then you can also support us on Patreon. A buck a month to keep the lights on. That's right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mm-hmm.